Hi, this is Riley, and this is a bit before the actual episode. If you are about to listen to this, our part three of our three-part investigation of Boris Johnson's terrible book, 72 Virgins, you might want to try listening to part one and two, which we have unlocked and put together for you in the previous episode in the feed. Uh, you won't necessarily need the context, but because the story is a gossamer thin spider web of nonsense, but you might appreciate knowing just the depths of the provincial psychosis that drives our PM's fundamental psychology. Hello and welcome back to Trash Future, this week's free episode. Uh, I'm Riley and I'm in the studio with Hussein. Uh, hi, my No Nut November is going fine. Yep. Uh, feeling jacked already. Yeah. Good to go. I, who, who just looks bigger and more pressurized. <laughs> it's Great. the fleece. Yes. It's, my, it's my podcasting fleece. Uh, with Nate on the boards. Hello, it's me. Uh, I have a couple more days in my total time living in this country, and I still don't understand anything about this place. So enjoying this uh, election season and all of the normal things surrounding it. Yeah, it's no nut election, everyone. Uh, and also we have Alice calling in from Glasgow, the Hi. sunlit uplands. Apparently yes. it was there. <laughs> it's good. Um, Scottish Labour currently like imploding over turf stuff. The SNP doing the same. It's mm-hmm. a very normal country up here. Okay, excellent. So, what we uh, are we saying? Vote Scottish Tories then? Fuck no, no. Vote, <laughs> vote, vote Labour. It's like it's just I don't know. It, it the internal politics means that that uh, I don't know. There's there was twenty years of like shuffling Blairites up here, and we have to like purge them ruthlessly. Is the thing. And also, we're joined by Nish Kumar, who you may know from the Mash Report or from online or from comedy stuff. Nish, how you doing? Yeah, really excited to be here. As we know, the third part is the worst part of any trilogy, so I'm delighted to be joining you for the third part of your Boris Johnson extravaganza. And trust me, this part has everything. It has racism. (laughs) Really? You surprised me, Riley. Shocked. It has, has, like, obvious rip-offs of P.G. Woodhouse. (laughs) It has... That's more or less it. It has references to Renaissance art shoehorned in <laughs> where it doesn't belong. Like Boris Johnson walked through the door, uh, much like the portraits of Titian. <laughs> <laughs> he's not, you know, he's he's not the most literate of men. Like in general, he's somebody who's clearly read a lot of wikipedia articles <laughs> well, I mean, that's what ppe is really yeah, like yeah. that's why you don't need the ppe degree at oxford anymore you just have wikipedia <laughs> anyone can pretend to know anything now you don't need like <laughs> so i'm just going to do a little bit of a, of a catch-up please um so you can know where we are now uh, this won't be a catch-up of current events. I'm sure, like, 30 of them will have happened since we recorded this. <laughs> everything will be on fire by the time you're yeah. listening to this. Or maybe everything will be good. In fact, um, we're going to do a, a little cut-in. Uh, Nate, how's everything going? Ha-ha! <laughs> 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 a chilling premonition of things to come. So, let's catch everyone up on the book. So, what basically, like... All this book really has is a series of conservative dab stereotypes just setting one thing after another in motion. There's no real characterization. Uh, there's no real plot. Um, just just all of the things that 
angry, horny dads read while sort of <laughs> crumpling the telegraph in their white fists in some shire. Um, but they should give you an idea of what Boris Johnson actually thinks, how Boris Johnson thinks the world works, what he thinks ordinary people are like, especially immigrants and working class people as he uh, tries to write them. So crucially, though, you we must not look at these books as a kind of Kremlinology because we know what Boris thinks about about these people. Like we know what he thinks about non-white people. We know what he thinks about women. Like you can just look at his actions in the columns. There's no decoding necessary. Like unless you're chronically civility brained, none of this will come as a surprise. Like even if you only take him at his words, all of this stuff comes in a more easily digestible format of every newspaper column he's ever written. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I, the thing that offended me most about the word pickaninnies is that you have to look it up. Like, it's like you have to do the legwork to interpret the racism. Like, I don't want to be complicit in my own abuse. You know, that it's, it's pretty gross stuff. Like, it's all we're doing is we're just skewing Google. <laughs> um, so, of these three episodes, right, the first is an introduction into the wide world of the of 72 virgins. Yeah, the extended universe. Yeah, the 72 virgins extended universe, <laughs> of which all of Boris Johnson's articles are part. Um, the Johnson extended universe is just every movie is a different character set in this world. <laughs> it's, it, so, I just okay. imagine there, eventually there'll be one film that made out of Boris Johnson's written material where they use every slur ever made in the English language. <laughs> the most finally powerful. all of cinema into it yeah and, and the thing is it'll be produced by like the, the same people at netflix who like make who like make like nanette and queer eye and all the things that are supposed to make you feel good they also produce that they also produce the movie that's just one guy shouting the n-word for 72 minutes um so the second episode though is a, a real in, a, a look at how Boris imagines um, the, how the psyches of the poor and women work. He suggests, for example, that one woman's life would have been dramatically improved if more grown men hit on her when she was 12. <laughs> and that she wanted to fuck her dad, who was John McCain. Also that. <laughs> the, 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 the second episode is by far the horniest, and it was just emotionally grueling for us to get through. Yeah. Was this book ghostwritten by Rod Liddle? <laughs> <laughs> we had an argument before we started, before you showed up, Nish, about whether or not this was ghostwritten. And Riley said that a ghostwriter would be the least marginally competent. And so, in a way, the fact that it's so transparently Boris's weird id and also really horny seems to indicate that it must have been written by him. Well, if we're worried yeah. about competence, I say again, Rod Liddle. <laughs> no, no, because I think, I think like with Rod Liddle's stuff, like it's basically like it, it's absurd, but it's kind of like just him getting very angry all the time. Yeah, sure. Whereas I feel like Boris is is less angry but more horny. Yeah, like he's angry, but then he like distract. He gets distracted by like horniness. <laughs> so he'll have like these sections where he just like gets really. But he's like, okay, but back to the story about like the terrorists. But it's also it's like it's like breezily dismissive. He doesn't or like breezily racistly dismissive. He doesn't necessarily get as infuriated as Rod Littlewood. Yeah, but instead it's just like, oh, I guess these muddy colored people doing their foul things. Oh, good things there. And it's just like, yeah, well, uh, all, all of all of the tumult is directed entirely at himself and like the whole psychosexual thing uh it's just arrogance rather than venom <laughs> but, for everyone yeah, there's, there's else. a narr there's a narrative structure behind it that basically the person observing it the way that it's narrated is like sees things very racistly but also isn't necessarily bothered by them it has just, no idea <laughs> it's just it's like it's like you're not drunk when you're wearing beer goggles but you see it like a drunk person would in the same way so <laughs> like here's the perfect example which is that um Boris Johnson, uh, in two parts cases in the book, uses uh, the slurs half-caste and Chinaman, Ooh. not as slurs, just because he's like, well, 
that's that's what you call them. Yeah, it's just descriptive because he's an everyman, yes. and everyone yes, exactly. does that. And if you don't do that, then you're an effete metropolitan liberal. Is the thing. indeed, uh, <laughs> and you'll probably wind up getting the American president killed because you're weak or so, something. That that is a big part of the story, unfortunately. <laughs> so here's here's the summary: a group of four terrorists, including two Arab nationals and two British converts, steal an ambulance and <laughs> already, use it to already a bad start. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, as as Milo said before he was walking out of the studio because he had a show to go to tonight. It's right wing four lions <laughs> uh, it's always the fucking converts isn't it yeah uh steal- we just get we just get too into it mm. it's like people who like started watching game of thrones at like season four yeah yeah sure you, yeah like compensating for a lot of like law so a group of four terrorists including two arab nationals and two british converts steal an ambulance and use it to break into westminster while the president of the u.s is giving a speech one of them, Jones, is the ideologue and terrorist leader. Two of them, Harun and Habib, are just evil and foreign and horny as hell. <laughs> <laughs> They're constantly just leering at women and like jacking off and just completely incompetent. And one dies peeing. Also, like Harun and Habib, but not like. I actually know maybe yeah maybe they are Arab names. I don't know. Yeah. They're like more like names I'd associate with like Pakistanis. Yeah, but I yeah. guess like doesn't no, make a difference. They're supposed to be Palestinians. Um, of course. One, one of them, Dean, is a West Country simpleton who was given far too many handouts by the state and therefore turned to a life of crime and then got radicalized in prison and now is doing jihad. Yeah, he's, he's way in jihad. Yeah. Uh, Roger Barlow, the bumbling stand-in for Boris Johnson, is accidentally involved in letting them in. It doesn't matter how, it's not very clear. <laughs> but it's through his sexy younger American aide, whose name is Cameron, by the way. Just, uh, that's so sublimated. Who's described as, quote, looking like a lingerie model, but smarter and with bigger breasts. Um, <laughs> that is how I would describe David Cameron. She's the one that wants to fuck her dad, who's John McCain. Um, specifically, uh, how what happens is somehow her older academic boyfriend, like, wasn't racist enough uh, or, like, was trying to do, like, an edgy lib stunt. Uh, and so let the terrorists in to parliament. But he thought they were going to, like, bring someone who was disabled from being in Abu Ghraib with them and be like, this is what you did. This is Democracy Manifest. Banksy. Um and instead, he just let the terrorists in. There's also um, a sexy French Palestinian. And his name is Adam Swallow. <laughs> <laughs> it's like somebody printed a bunch of Daily Mail articles and then put them in a word jumble. <laughs> and then you're like, benefit scrounger jihadi? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like, it was like someone ran like Clippy's narrative interface over this in Microsoft like, Word. Y- y- you say, like, I, when you actually lay it out like this, it does seem like it should be written in like a letter to the police explaining <laughs> why if you find all of the clues, the killings will stop. Please. Well, we also we talked about this in in the second episode, but effectively there's a there's a portion where he lines out all of the salaries of the overpaid new labor apparatchiks that were supposedly involved in trying to stop this guy's <laughs> life of crime, and like all the hundreds of thousands of pounds they were apparently paid, like person by person, and it just sort of assumes that like he he seems to indicate that the the incompetent British state run by by terrible new laborites has effectively created all these departments for one person. Yes. <laughs> like, well, it's, it doesn't also, make any sense. The, the, the terrible British state, as it was created by New Labour, did create a lot of terrorists just elsewhere. <laughs> um, was so- it was it William Burroughs that used to do the cut-up technique, where he would take words and then mix them all up, and then David Bowie used that technique for Moonage Daydream. And mm. this this is like. <laughs> This is, this is right-wing William Burroughs. You, yes. you had a much higher culture thing than me. I was thinking of terrible movie The Snowman. <laughs> dear, dear Mr. Police, I gave you all the clues. 
<laughs> you see, that's again, when I, when I tell more of this story, that what will become evidently clear is that this is actually just the novelization of Metal Gear Solid 2. <laughs> like, there are tons and tons of parallels that will become clear, which is why I would like to title this episode Boris Gear 3, New Phantom Apotheosis Era. Um, so you're anyway. telling me that this is... By extension, the most prescient piece of media in our lifetimes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. So, anyway. Oh, so how about this? It's like a version of Metal Gear Solid 2 written by a PG Woodhouse character. Just, <laughs> I just have to interject it because as someone who played Metal Gear Solid 2 very excitedly when it came out, there's, there's an, a level boss in Metal Gear Solid 2 who is a, an overweight guy on roller skates who throws bombs at you and you have to wait for him to take a snack break before you can hit him to cause damage. So you have set my expectations very, very high for where this plot <laughs> is going to go. Also, oh, like there's fat. There's barely any Roger Barlow in this. There's like a protagonist swap to uh, the sexy, uh, the, the sexy American um, <laughs> research assistant. So there are also a bevy of other entirely forgettable characters made exclusively of the Wikipedia page of list of stereotypes, including various members of the U.S. and U.K. security services and so on. So where we're going to start is uh, right wing four lions <laughs> charging out of the uh, ambulance, also disguised as a TV crew for some reason. It's really hard to follow. <laughs> um, Wait, what? So they're in an ambulance, but described as a TV crew. Well, they, uh, no, that's where TV crews love beer. Yeah. <laughs> they have, but I think the whole thing is they have like a, bevy, a a bunch of disguises. I don't know. I couldn't really figure it out. I mean, but- it, it's kind of like. Okay, so the liberal media are actually just jihadists in disguise. Cool. Right, yes, right, right, yes. right, right, right. Oh, yes. right okay. Yeah, that that c- comparison is made several times. And so are ambulance drivers. <laughs> yes. A lot of people <laughs> are disguised jihadis. Yeah. Uh, so this is the the bomb the right wing four lions um, slipping past the U.S. sharpshooter Jason Pickle. <laughs> Which to, as an American, I gotta say that's a fucking British name. All right, yeah. Yeah. Jason you literally have Sir Pickle. Eric Pickles. So. From his vantage, Jason could make out the odd detachment of, me- of media representatives with their cameras and sound booms. Vermin, he thought. Cockroaches. <laughs> <laughs> and he looked at them as genocidally as a Hutu beholds a Tutsi. Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ. Christ. Oh. I knew we're we starting were, I knew strong, folks. Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. I knew it was going to be bad. I was braced for it, but that one still got me. Just the first. Oh. <laughs> I don't think I don't think I thought I would be shocked by anything oh, in this. No, it, and I'm already. Oh, Nish! <laughs> oh, poor sweet Nish! <laughs> oh, innocent! Oh, sweet summer Nish! Oh, you know nothing God. of war. <laughs> um. <laughs> so basically, what happens is, um. Oh, here we go. So I'll, I'll finish that line. So so take out basically what happens. Okay. If it hadn't been for that Daily Mirror guy, thought Jason. So basically, uh, Jason hates the press because he committed a litany of war crimes in Iraq and his name became synonymous with them. Damn. Marine it is all- So, uh, <laughs> Piccolo. Yeah. It is always. And so this is then the story of him coming back home after having been exposed as a war crimes committer. It cuts back in and out. It's a really bad book. You're going to have to try to follow me. But what is he doing in Britain? He's overseeing the president coming in. He's like so a he's sharpshooter secret, guarding he's the president. service then or something. Something like that. I, I do know. think that speaks to our cultural inferiority complex that even the prime minister of this country, when he was trying to write an exciting novel, was like, let's make it the president of America because <laughs> no one cares about, no one cares about the UK. So basically what he's, because it does seem there's some of this is a little bit derivative. It feels like he's, really? he's, rewriting, <laughs> he's rewriting true lies, except the secret to solving the plot is racism. Correct. Yeah. So this is, this is the, um, this sniper returning home and why he's going to have a lot of trouble shooting for right wing four lions. Mm, did they spit on him in the airport? 
It's always a tricky moment in life and literature when a returning warrior opens his own white picket gate and walks up to the terrifying ambiguities of his own frost pane door. Terrible the Greeks, line. The Greeks called it Nostos, the moment of <sighs> return, and nostalgia is technically the longing for what should be a joyful c- occasion, but often isn't, of course. Padding word count. Yeah, he's, he's just... defines war crimes as. <laughs> Odysseus came back to find his house overrun by strange men trying to go to bed with his wife. <laughs> Agamemnon returned to find the little woman in apparently good spirits. Gave her a loving kiss and said he was ba- glad to be back after 10 years. Then she ran a bath and stabbed him to death. Damn. Jason, women. Jason women be scheming. <laughs> Jason, honey, his wife Wanda had exclaimed <laughs> with every wa- sign of enthusiasm, but he was made nervous by the brightness of her eye and put off by her red lipstick. Yo, women, you don't even need to wear makeup. You're beautiful like you are. Oh my God, just don't wear makeup. Guys don't even like it. <laughs> This is this is starting to feel like one of my undergraduate essays. <laughs> like at two a.m., I'm like, still sixteen hundred words to go. <laughs> this, this, no, this is the, my conception of American politics. At the same time, this was written when I was fourteen. When I was like, yeah, what if the troops are just cucks? Actually, <laughs> in the days that followed, he had entertained doubts about his wife more than entertained them. He'd invited them round, given them bed and board in his heart, and listened with gloomy resignation as the doubts rabbited on into the night, refusing to take the hint no matter how much he coughed and stretched and signaled that their welcome was outstayed. Just really, just like concentrating his, his, his closing his eyes and be like, what house? What house? What house? <laughs> um, and then she had clinched matters. She dared refer to what had happened in Baghdad as a massacre and then lamely tried to excuse herself. What the fuck? I'm also oh. laughing because if this book was written in 2004, four or five, like, like early mid 2000s, shouldn't shouldn't the war criminals still be in prison for war crimes? <laughs> literally two, the war started two years ago in this timeline. Indeed, Pickle had hit the table and she had cried. <laughs> then he left shortly after. Anyway, so that's the background of him like about to try to shoot uh, right wing four lines because he knows that something's up. Yeah, yeah. But someone's D- been emailing his wife about his war crimes. <laughs> so nothing gets out. past the pickle. So, <laughs> so he's back watching this ambulance come in with right wing four lions, and this is word for word what Boris has written. That's always Down- bad when you have to say that. Down below him, Jones the bomb pulled the handbrake and got out of the driver's cabin. Sixty feet above him, the sharpshooter rested his barrel on the gargoyle's ears and brooded again on the options. Dark men, white van, ambulance, getting out, something funny, bulky waistcoats, terrorists, shoot them, dark men, TV crew, could be nothing, could be something, no time, dark men, white van, car in Baghdad, could be innocent, could have been innocent, no time, shoot first, wait. Famously, that's what goes through my thoughts when I'm guarding the president. Uh, it's, it's very theatrical, very punctuated. Uh-huh. Uh, Just lots extreme, of racism. Uh, mm-hmm. Like Rottweiler energy. Yeah. That's just what Boris thinks the lyrics are of that R.E.M. song is the end of the world. <laughs> That's all he hears when he hears that song. Dark man, dark man, dark, dark man, white man. <laughs> Bucky Vest, terrorists. <laughs> it's the end of freedom as we know. <laughs> Jesus Christ. This uh, is, oh, this is. It is. It's something. <laughs> It's early on, and I'm already going to have to use the phrase worse than I'd feared. (laughs) So, basically what happens is... Because he's afraid of either being racist or because he's got PSTTSD from his war crimes, a group of t- a group of right wing four lions terrorists then manages to strike at the heart of the country <laughs> and attempt to assassinate the president. And this is also somehow the, far- the fault of the Daily Mirror. Yeah, they shouldn't have exposed the war crimes. His I- wife shouldn't have left him about the war crimes. Everyone <laughs> should have just loved him. But this is. Th- but this- listen, 
this is the sort of thing that Johnson I'm sure will be delighted by, but there would always be weird bits in 24 where like Jack Bauer would be like, ugh, Amnesty International. Like there would be, he's, for what he's going for, He's not a million miles off the tone <laughs> of those actual TV shows <laughs> that like were coming out around yeah. that sort of time. Like there would always be weird bits in 24 where he'd be like, don't tell me the bloody UN are on about their human yeah. rights again. And you're, so like Johnson is operating <laughs> along the oeuvre that he was trying to reach. I mean, exa- I think it's like, yeah, he, he, he that's absolutely true because there's also another point in the story where the um right wing four lions manages to like get into parliament i haven't included it here just yeah. for time but where they're they don't have like valid passes or something and someone just waves them through because they don't <laughs> want to be accused of discrimination <laughs> <laughs> that's literally hussein's tweet though that's literally like love to infiltrate parliament while dressed as a camera crew without credentials because security is afraid that they literally don't want me in and be racist everyone knows i'm a terrorist but they won't do anything about also, it also i just want to say that like as someone who has been like not allowed to come into parliament despite having like a press pass because I haven't had quote unquote valid ID. Like this wouldn't have happened. No, this- also like, yeah, that only kind of really applies. I don't know now where the whole, like, you know, over- but back in 2004, that wasn't the case. No. Right. Like people were really racist back then. They yeah. was- And like, you would just, tolerate it it would just be like okay that's fucking like this is the way of life right this was also because this is before like john charles de menezes was shot as well oh my right God. so you still got like i remember i like vividly remember like you know the very oh God, yeah, the yeah. increase of like police presence you know this is not like the fucking politically correct time <laughs> that people envision now, but it definitely didn't exist back then. Oh, yeah. Because he, his entire world was the, this. Is what it was like the Telegraph. Mm-hmm. So all the te- the Telegraph. This is around when they started picking, and the Daily Mail started picking up the uh universities are making it illegal to be British type right, of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, and so where you can't arrest the terrorists because the police have to stop and ask them for their pronouns first, kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> um. So basically, now only one man can save Britain, and it's Roger Boris Johnson Barlow. <laughs> Except, what do you know? It he's kind of a bumbler. Oh no, um, that's the worst the w- flaw anyone can have is to be clumsy. Any, <laughs> any, every single woman, all like debates in her in their mind, sleeping with him in the book. They yeah. don't actually do it, but they all think about it. I could have, even before you told me the title or indeed the subject matter, I could have told you there will be a character very similar to Boris and every woman debate sleeping with him. I could have, <laughs> never do I could have done that sight unseen. <laughs> <laughs> so Roger Barlow should have easily caught up to those four terrorists. <laughs> and under any normal circumstances, he would have done so. But his legs were tired after so much running that his feet were dragging. No, not November is hard for some people. <laughs> he snared himself in one of the long black cables that coiled through the members' entrance and fed the TV lights and the cameras, tripping and falling flat in his face. Had Roger been in the mood for literary echoes, so Boris was, but Roger wasn't, <laughs> oh, he, might have, he might have caught his resemblance to the Vatican sculpture of Leo Kuhn, who, <laughs> who warned in the vein of the Trojan horse and was devoured by sea snakes. Leo well, Kuhn. Leo Cohen, by the way, was devoured by sea snakes because he fucked his wife in Poseidon's temple. So his his own analogy just kind of falls on its face, too. All that's happened there is Boris has rendered a holiday to Rome tax deductible. That's all that's happened there. <laughs> um, yeah, no expensive scandal yeah, for him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Have you read my novel? <laughs> Haven't you read my taut, sexy action thriller where the main character drives a Rolls Royce and goes to Rome? <laughs> um, so here's like 
So this is this is the ter- the terrorists, right wing four lions, of course, have um, made it into the audience chamber where the president of the U.S. is giving his some anodyne speech about the special relationship to the assembled everyone and all the TV cameras in Britain are on him for an audience of what we can agree is like 10 weirdos who watch BBC <laughs> Parliament. Yeah, this is this is not like now when people generally are watching BBC Parliament in 2004. No one was watching BBC no. Parliament. Like it's, but also it's every. What is the American president's character like? Uh, is he a sort oh, of? Oh, he's George W. Bush. He's George W. Bush. He's George right, W. Bush, okay. and you can tell because there are a couple of links to the news in this uh, oh, in this I lo- story. I love that. No, nobody couple had thought of, of doing this. Couple of sly little references. Uh, just like, oh, 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 it's him. It's the guy. <laughs> oh my god, I can't believe George W. Bush is in the Boris Johnson extended universe. <laughs> Um, that will do, Mr. President, said Jones the bomb, clicking a handcuff over the president's limp wrist. President, president, twice in the same sentence. Is, Great is, writing. Is he calling George W. Bush gay? <laughs> <laughs> Pause. Uh, I, I don't know. Handcuffing yourself to a dude, kind of sus. Then he held their hands up together as the umpire raises the hand of a boxer to show that their fates were now conjoined. Do they refer to the, uh, them as umpires? I think they call it referees. Boxing you know, the boxing umpire. Umpire. just the sitting on the chair. Yo, no, Boris Johnson's doing like, oh, I don't follow sports ball kind of thing. I prefer r- reading Roman statues. <laughs> it's like, it's like, it, it was like that uh, picture he took where he pretended to watch cricket. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which was like kind of, which is very bizarre for lots of different reasons. Oh, and also the uh, photo he took a couple of weeks ago where he was watching the rugby at an angle no one has ever watched yeah, television. Sorry about, yeah, that's what I <laughs> yeah. meant. Sorry, yeah. And he was sort of like, he was wearing his shirt rugby shirt but it was over his shirt and tie yeah. and it just i mean he he did look like someone who's a bit worse for wear on a night out in clapham <laughs> like he really had that sort of demeanor uh so th- this was it f- thought jones he'd done it whatever happened now he would join the ranks of the immortals for this action in mecca medina and all the holy places of islam babes unborn <sighs> would lisp the name of jones but why would they lisp it because uh, they're babies and they're like they have soft palates yeah yeah oh, I yeah. Thought you said, oh ba- okay I- yeah De- de- defective brain. I thought babes like babe station. I was like, damn. Yeah, Muslim You're going for the two versions thing really fast, aren't yeah, you? So, you know, basically, um, you know, Arabs are gonna love it. <laughs> you know, the babes of Islam calendar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So now that like you know we've struck at the the great Satan, Arabs, they're gonna fucking love it. Oh, yeah. They're gonna love it. They're all gonna be crazy for this one. <laughs> You know, because Arabs love to do terrorism. Yeah, and they also love to celebrate when people attack the weird presidential address given at the Houses of Parliament, which is being televised to the world. Yeah. <laughs> I like that he knows two of the holy places of Islam. And it's like, okay, in Mecca, Medina, can't think of a third one, so all of the rest at once. Yeah. I mean, I feel like ch- charting this plot, you can very accurately retrace his browsing history from Wikipedia article to the next. Like he was on, he was on. Love to look at smeared writing on hand. Pray to the cat bar. <laughs> I, I'm going to put it out there and say the one person's internet history I never want to see is Boris Johnson's. <laughs> oh, yeah. there's some weird stuff. I think, like, there. I think like he's still a guy who like still Google's pictures of like groups. <laughs> Like, yeah. I don't think he's a Pornhub guy. I think he's a guy who's just like big boobs. But yeah. I, the, but I, just, I just had the idea that it would be that, but it would be in his like sort of rendition of laddish characters instead of be like, tremendous knocks or something like that. <laughs> so here's the synthesis of all these opinions. Boris Johnson actually has FHM still making topless magazines and he's the only one who gets them. <laughs> yeah, he's just really into Kelly Brook. 
<laughs> yeah, he's he's like, ah, yes, I I, I want to still see what Keely Hazel's boobs look like, put under a new a new background each month, but never what, more what, than that. Yeah, what is Jody Marsh up to these days? <laughs> uh, so. Uh, basically what's happened is that everyone, and they're always referred to as the Arabs, oh, <laughs> uh, have smuggled in guns somehow, doesn't matter, and now these four terrorists and Benedict, the sexy, dusky Palestinian mistress of the French president, oh, <laughs> double bird, uh, have explained that they all have dead men switches connected to bombs that they're all wearing, right? and they're handcuffed to the president, so it's like, you have to pay attention to us now. So, into the cameras, uh, Jones says, Today is, is, is a trial, but not just the trial of this bad man. It is the trial of America before the eyes of all the people of Britain and before the eyes of all the people of the world. Again, padding word count. <laughs> it's, like, it's also like follows the script of like an anime. Right. So like, you know, okay. So like, you know, in, in an anime when like a villain is about to get his own way, but he decides to like give like a fucking 10 minute monologue. Yes. But this is like evil a poorly he is. subtitled yeah. anime. So like right. there'll be a bit in brackets that says, I don't know what this says. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and like during those 10 minutes, that's when like it, his whole plan just like unfurls. <laughs> his plan is the speech. I'll, I'll, I'll clarify this. Okay, all right. I bring you this bad man to this place of history so that he and his country may answer for their crimes. But I do not presume to be the judge myself. Instead, everyone in this hall will have the chance to speak. Yes, to speak in favor of or against him, just like in a court of law. And then the world will judge him as we will broadcast his speech around the world. Again, world, world, like the guy just come on. One edit. Um, and people will phone in their verdict to the BBC. <laughs> Vote now on your phones. Yes, the world will judge America, and in a minute I will explain how it will be done, but first I must ask you to surrender your phones. <laughs> like, the, like, also, what the fuck kind of mechanism is this? Where it's like, just don't worry, the BBC will of course be tallying the votes, yeah, obviously. And, and obviously they're not going to tell us something that's different to what's happened. No, of course. All of this is going to work. And by the way, I'm, I assume everyone's watching BBC Parliament, yes? Around the world? The entire world is watching this right now? Can I ask, was he typing this directly into the printer? <laughs> yeah, he was, like, uh, on the phone just summarizing <laughs> yeah. what it is that he oh, wanted. Yeah. He was definitely lazily dictating this over a bad Skype I mean, connection. I, I literally feel like if, if the international champions of, like, high school model UN's prize was to write a spy novel, that it would <laughs> yeah. turn out more coherent than this. <laughs> So basically what happens is if the world says America is okay, then the terrorists walk away somehow, throw themselves in the mercy of a court, whatever. But if the world says America is bad, then America has to release all the prisoners in Guantanamo Bay. Oh, Not shit. Generally, it's the just, damn joker. Just for, yeah. trial, just for trial in their own countries. That's all. Like, yeah. <laughs> this pretty, is like pretty reasonable. Yeah. Low expectations <laughs> for like trying to kill the president, right? But well, <laughs> they love they, the the uh, the right wing four lines just love justice as well. They respect lawyers, yeah, and, and reality TV phone in pulse. <laughs> <laughs> they love like, the strictly results show. They yeah, love it because you know the thing about the BBC is that they can just <laughs> improvise one <laughs> of those worldwide <laughs> at a moment's notice. You know, to save the president. <laughs> No, no, not the not the president of the BBC, the president of the United States, of course. But this is this is like Donald Trump. Like, you, if you if John Spicer doesn't win Dancing in the Stars, yeah, yeah, Belgium yeah. getting a nuclear strike, it's gonna happen, folks. <laughs> so this is what's very this is where it becomes very clear to me that everything in the book was that was all fun and games leading up to this, which is actually like. Because this was written in, in 2004, just after Boris Johnson voted to invade Iraq, right? Like, 
He's trying to shrive himself of the support for military intervention in Iraq that created like one of the worst humanitarian catastrophes in the world that was already going terribly by 2004. And so he imagines the worst kind of cartoon villains of the people whose homeland he helped destroy. Yeah. He imagines the worst things they could visit upon him and tries to reason out that, no, no, don't, the world sides with me. I'm the good guy. I'm the good guy. I'm the good yeah, guy. If the world had to take a vote tomorrow. Yeah. They say I was a good guy. Yeah. And so this is the rest of this book is all just Boris, like Boris just wrestling with this guilt about being complicit in this atrocity. It's also is, being it really is pathetic, sexy. Isn't it? Because at least it Blair absolutely. does the history will vindicate me. Boris wants to be vindicated <laughs> by the present. Yeah, yeah. Boris via, via a novel. Boris wants to Boris wants to imagine the world in which everything he does is not just okay, but is sort of like charming. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this it, is his world. It feels like he's writing a character because this character is himself, and much like the character, he would be very happy if everywhere he went, women just popped out of cakes for some reason. <laughs> he also has to vote on whether or not to send troops to war, and he feels guilty about that. So yeah, he has like, to be vindicated. Like, w- women pop out of cakes holding a sign that says Saddam presented a clear and present danger to the world. <laughs> um, women so, do be doing that. So here's the, here's the side note, which is where Barlow is asked to surrender his phone, and this is where we get his motivation for all of what he does for the rest of the story. Because what you should do if you're writing a taut sexy action thriller <laughs> is you should introduce your main character's main motivation for how they act in the climax of the story four yes. pages before the climax of the story yes it's good writing that is Come on. I, I believe it was john grisham who said that <laughs> <laughs> so he's asked to surrender his phone and he says i don't have one said barlow he hoped oh, actually he sounded... i don't own a television <laughs> <laughs> um he didn't like mobiles because you couldn't trust the blighters they were... <laughs> The, the snake game, it keeps cheating. <laughs> uh, that, is some, that is some weak observational comedy from 1998. <laughs> because all these guys have their phones. Who are you talking to? Why can't you wait till you get home? Are you that important, folks? <laughs> Terrorists drive ambulances like this. <laughs> uh, they were technological Judases, he thought, as he oh, stared Christ. at the ceiling. <laughs> that, that is someone whose wife has seen a text message. <laughs> Or like one of those like really bad text messages, which That's is just like what happens. That's literally what happens in the next line. Oh my god! No way. <laughs> you know what's funny? I read the notes before this, but I was going to make some joke about how like he's had too many bills from the babe station. But this is even better. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We're going to kill National Treasure Nish Kumar with just absurdity. <laughs> You, you know what this is? This is that picture of the couple who went to their local newspaper because Virgin Media had issued them a bill for a large amount of pornography. Okay. And when you look at the picture, the guy standing next to his wife holding the bill is very, very clearly purchased the pornography behind her back and is in wildly over his head. That's, oh, that's Boris Johnson's whole deal. So, but what if he was Jack Ryan also? So, <laughs> yes. What if Venezuela attacked Parliament? What then? So, there had been a god awful moment the other day when his bleeding mobile had <laughs> contrived quite independently to call his wife. <laughs> He was somewhere he really shouldn't have been, not for his own good, and he was in the company of of the woman in whom this ghastly reporter from the mirror was now taking such an interest. 
again, an awful <laughs> sentence we're going to have to parse when Nish is back with us. Well, <laughs> this one has pushed me over the edge. I, I, it's, it's all about it's a accidentally, accidentally, like, just, well, accidentally going to war because you act, because you butt dialed your wife <laughs> while you were having an affair with a mistress. So I'm gonna, oh my I'm gonna God. have to parse stranger that. Things, stranger things have happened. I'm, I'm gonna have to parse that sentence because it's a real it's pasta. Yeah. So there is a woman from the mirror who's taking an interest in another woman who Roger Barlow was with when he accidentally called his wife. There we go, Boris. I rewrote your book better for you. <laughs> that is absolutely. There's a lot, going, there's a lot going on there. There's so mm. much going on. I love how Roger Barlow brackets Boris Johnson is blaming the mobile phone and the journalist <laughs> so the woman in now hold on now this is oh god headache <laughs> this this gets this gets teased out later as to what's really going on here the Jesus, woman in this question book is like a carbon monoxide leak which is like <laughs> slowly our cognition is getting more and more impaired <laughs> so the woman in question seemed deliberately to have exposed her bosom and was looking at him imploringly <laughs> Love to do that. Oh, Love to deliberately oh, please. expose my bosom. Oh, oh, oh wait, so it says, oh please, she droned. So she's doctor girlfriend. I guess. <laughs> oh, Trans oh, representation, pl- finally. Uh, oh please, she droned. <laughs> you promised. Do it for you, Lily. It's a fantastic investment. <laughs> so do it for you, Lily. That's uh, that's the capital letters. That's a name. You, Lily. By the way, if you're confused as to who or what Yulily is, don't worry, it hasn't come up before this moment. <laughs> this is this is the first time at the climax that this random new plot point is introduced. It's called uh, mystery, Riley. <laughs> yeah, that's how you create anticipation, is by be- leaving the reader in suspense that you could create a new plot point at any moment for any reason. I can't, I cannot handle this. This is... In the middle of the action-based <laughs> denouement of his spy novel, he is broken off to tell a long anecdote about being rumbled in an infidelity. <laughs> yeah. Read a book, Nish. <laughs> um, I want to do a mid-call to this book set during this anecdote. Well, just to, you want to do, shall we just release like a tightened-up version of this book? That just makes yeah, we sense? get the director's cut of Seventy-Two Virgins. It's like Blade Runner. At the end, you find out that Barlow is a replicant after all. <laughs> so Roger had smiled at her because he really wanted to make her happy, um, and the thought he and and then he thought he must be going mad. He could hear the voice of his conscience saying no. So. He doesn't have one of those. That's the most inventive piece of fiction in this whole book. So, let's go back to it. Now, a liberal TV chef called... I'm so sorry. Every line of this is gold. I'm I'm, I'm worried for you, Nish. A liberal TV chef called Chester de Peveril is making the case (laughs) against America. Should the prisoners from Guantanamo be released or not? And here's the case he makes. My honest opinion is... Yes. Yes, of course the prisoners should go back, and I say that without having an anti-American bone in my body. Do you know, uh, in fact, some of my best friends are Americans, <laughs> but I have a lot of trouble with the country. Do you know how many Americans get food poisoning every day? 200,000. And it's no wonder when you consider the kind of goop they eat. Have you ever eaten American cheese? And do you know, said Chester, scroll- scowling at Roger, that in spite of their pasteurized, homogenized, sterilized, emulsified, genetically modified, and hormone-pumped food, Americans eat so much of it that they're the fattest country on Earth. We all know about the evils of the tobacco industry. 
We all know about the creeps and saddos who defend the right of every American school kid to bear arms, even if it means bearing an AK-47 into a maths class and wiping out teach and six, t- 16 prepubescent school children. But what, my friends, are we going to do about the real enemy of our values? I mean, our European values that have produced in France a country with 258 cheeses. The real enemy is not big oil or big tobacco, but big food. What? What the fuck? The shuddering fuck is that? That's uh, like a real kind of... What did Jamie Oliver do to Boris Johnson? <laughs> he's, all, he's also like the last few pages of his book. Yeah. Right? These are like the last few pages of his book. Yeah. So he's just thriller. decided he's just decided to like I mean I, he I, watched Super Size Me. I love the idea of Boris Johnson <laughs> writing like a spy thriller that ends in nuclear apocalypse, and of course the French character's last lines are basically oh, <laughs> <laughs> Yes, like, he's, he's just written the flash animation about it was then taken that, but then fires the missiles. <laughs> That's what so this, was, this was also around about the time that the whole like freedom fries debacle happened, yeah, right? right? Because yeah, France right, would right. Re- France yeah. refused to like yeah, th- wouldn't they wouldn't send troops to the Iraq War, right. so yeah, it became like a weird. But like, who's the up. liberal TV chef? I don't know why he's in Parliament for the president's yeah. speech. He's just there. <laughs> or, like, was he, he, and, why was he in and, and his like horny girlfriend just became a, just unveiled herself as a terrorist. The French right? ambassador's mm. horny girlfriend oh, just unveiled okay, herself as a terrorist. Come on, Hussein. I'm sorry. I'm just like I'm sorry. This is. Here. The, yeah, there's like this was even more confusing than like Avengers Endgame. <laughs> <laughs> so now we get to some voting. The Chinese were now voting for the return. Because <laughs> they're calling in the BBC, remember? You know how we just staged a worldwide polling show yeah, with the, the, all that of like. thing we can do. We're a billion yeah. people. Call we- the BBC. If we did a rewrite of this, could we like do a situation where like the Chinese are like Chinese people are trying to call in the BBC to do the poll and they accidentally call Babe Station? <laughs> <laughs> no, there's yeah. there is one Chinese person voting on it, and that's that fat peasant from Hebei. <laughs> yeah, oh, the, 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 the guy who like who, who downs beers in yeah. a second, <laughs> the world's coolest man. He's um, a cool guy. This so. is absolutely. Also, this is like a, a, another one of Boris's sort of gripes is coming through, where it's like, well, obviously the BBC have <laughs> way too much money, so they can afford an international global <laughs> phone in. Yeah, just just dial up to the BBC's world-spanning like hypersphere. It's like they, you know, they're a national broadcaster. They have contingencies for everything, to include on the fly dancing with the stars, Guantanamo. Like it just happens. So <laughs> yeah, there we know. are. Is it like it's one of those like phone ins like the CBBC used to do, where it's like <laughs> you'll be charged fifty p a minute. As <laughs> <laughs> um, someone who works a lot at the BBC, most of the place, including Hugh Edwards, is largely being held together by blue tack. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm struck by one thing, which is. If you had to do this, like, right now, if this actually happened, the best infrastructure for doing it is probably still Eurovision, and that's a tremendously (laughs) funny visual to me. Um, So, the Chinese (laughs) were now voting for the return of the bound, gagged, and ski-goggled Guantanamo prisoners by 68 to 32%. So, like, also, like, just remember, like, Boris Johnson knows he helped make that happen. Yeah. So, the whole thing really is, like, defensive torture... Well, like, t- tor- torture and also like not owning a phone and also not funding social stuff yeah. and like it's 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 a lot. Let's like say if that. you fu- 
if you fund social programs and don't torture random Muslims you find, yeah. then society collapses. Yeah. That's basically the thesis of this book. Yeah, I mean, and I think we could all agree that is absolutely correct. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, um, yes, cried liberated young Chinese girls oh, at pencil skirts <laughs> as Whoa. they dialed the TV station. Yes, Whoa. said Chinese human rights activists into their snazzy new Sony Ericsons. Never mind all that American think tanks had done to campaign against the Lao guy, Chinese gulags. What? what? Incredible. What? I don't so, even fuck. I, ha- I have, I have a, a thing. <laughs> what about the Cato sense. Institute? What? A, why won't you thank the Cato young, Institute for writing young, about Chinese gulags? Young Chinese girls in liberated young Chinese yeah. girls in pencil skirts, right? Not wearing burkas. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say this is the, like the trope with this is always. I don't know, Afghan women or Iranian women, but I feel like Boris has such a thing about Muslims that he's like, who else wears pencil skirts now and are liberated? Uh, The the, the Chinese. Fantastic. The guy is is ceaselessly horny. Yeah. From what I can make out. That's true. That's but true. again, never in a way that he does anything about. That's why I <laughs> also, think he only jacks it to like back issues, or <laughs> rather, the secret new issues they produce of FHM and Maxim. <laughs> That's but I mean, all like, of MI5's annual budget now is going to keeping FHM going in secret <laughs> for one could, issue a month. I just we love could the end idea Boris Johnson's political career by showing him Pornhub. <laughs> I just love the idea too that if this has all happened in the span of a few minutes, they've managed to snap their fingers and you know and gin up maybe an hour, or yeah, so. an hour or so. But like if you this know. was during the president's speech in London, it's the middle of the night in China. Yeah. Why are these girls all wearing <laughs> pencil skirts? Like, are they in his mind? Are they relentlessly? Are they so relentlessly sexual that they're always dressed up for the <laughs> yes, nightclub? That, that's what being Wherever liberated is. You just you wear the pencil skirt, and anywhere you're outside of Boris Johnson's eyeline, if you're a woman, you're horny. That's what you exist for. <laughs> yeah, so. it's, it's like imagine Boris Johnson writing these female characters that basically like exclamation points appear above their heads, like Metal Gear Solid characters, except yeah. it's just like wanting to fuck <laughs> Boris Johnson. I mean, that is basically the truth because like. On a very serious note, uh, a few weeks ago, when one of one his like one of the uh, writers at the Spectator, because he was also editing the Spectator while he was an MP during this time, I think, or maybe he was like just forced to leave. Good lord! And one of the anecdotes that, like, I think Charlotte Edwards, who now is at the Times, had basically said was like, yeah, he was just like a really fucking horny guy in the office, and like he would do quite inappropriate things to like female staffers. This was, she, she wrote the article in the she Times. She was one who, yeah, was about the, like the, the knee touch and everything. Knee touching, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But like that was supposedly at like the lower end of the scale, like compared to what has allegedly like other alleged things that have happened. Jesus. So speak back to this. The in, we're still in China. One Chinaman told his brother <laughs> to go and copulate with a pangolin in a lake. He was stabbed with a letter opener in the duodenum. Uh, Wait. <laughs> Wait. Duodenum, but okay. Yeah. What? Wait. That's wait. Wait. Where the pangolins wait. live, and why is it not China? What? And what has happened now? Well, um, <laughs> the, the two. Basically, he's like, ah, oh, all of the world's ethnic people are fighting in sort of like sitcommy ways, this is like Stephen King's The Stand, surveying all of the horror that's taking place across the world. Except everyone is a really, really grossly rendered stereotype somehow. Correct. Yes. Um, like- yes. Uh, there's also a Pakistani couple who are beating each other with their shoes because they disagree. Amazing. And sometimes, <laughs> yeah. Like I don't know what to say. It's a sex thing, I guess. <laughs> Damn, Pakistan expert Boris Johnson at it again. Yeah. So I also like you know he's just fully just he's just he's just saying Chinaman. Yeah. Just, oh just yeah. That's out there. Just, just a in a book. He's just, yeah. he's just he's just written that. Um, 
I mean, like it's a un, unlike certain other words. Like I think it's a word you can use referentially when someone else has said it. But like, yeah. fuck we don't me. have to say the c word. But yeah, yeah, yeah. The use mentioned distinction there is quite a sharp one. I feel. Yeah. So but also, I think that it's just indicative of a mindset that basically hasn't hasn't adapted to any kind of change in representation since like 1970. Yeah, and he's it's- far too young for that to be any. That's not even an excuse for someone who's at that old, actually. But in his case, like it's just I don't know. It's this weird. Doesn't even make sense. No, it's you know just, what it is. That's what I call He's fucking. He's like the British Empire in its dying days conducted a secret experiment to try and do the boys from Brazil, but to implant Rudyard Kipling's brain. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think I legitimately think that he's all of this is him in character as like what he envisions is sort of like this cynical Tory commentator on the world from like 1949. And he's just been doing this act for his entire yeah. career. And in this case, like it's just no one stepped in and said, hey, maybe this is a little bit weird and insensitive because. I don't know because two thousand four. Well, yeah, and also yeah. because British publishing is like a human centipede, apparently. But like, it's just I don't, I just don't get it. It's it's all in there for some reason. So, yes, now it was the time to hold America to account. They wanted those guys sent back from Cuba, and the unthinkable was starting to become the politically correct. Oh no! Oh. Oh. A global that convi- feels like a burn on all of us. A global conviction was being born that it was forgivable just this once to comply with a terror terrorist stunt. So Chester to Peveril jawed on, protected by Jones. He began on the infamy of America's refusal to sign the Kyoto Protocol, and then America's disgusting attempt to patent seeds that were the intellectual property of third world farmers. Barlow and the others had at one point tried to slow hand clap him, but Jones was having none of it. Jones wanted the debate, and yet he was growing increasingly antsy. For more than 20 minutes now, he had held the Western world at his mercy. Which again, that's sub shit for Boris Johnson. He's being fantasizing about being someone holding him at their at their mercy. <laughs> that, that is once we get him onto Pornhub, we just upload <laughs> this as, like, blonde twink gets fucked. <laughs> Who's it, Chester de Peverell? The TV chef. The t- remember the, t- for some remember the TV sorry. chef who attended, so a, high secu- sorry. A, who attended a high security <laughs> seating in parliament this to see book, the American president th- talk? This book is so bad, it takes away your object permanence. <laughs> I can't understand. We were in China a second ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> and he knew it would not be long before the imperialists struck back. But then, the French ambassador speaks in support of America. And this is an excerpt from his speech. Uh-oh. Our friend the cook, whose recipes for duck leaf soup and placenta pie I have not yet had the good fortune to sample, told us that many American soldiers who are, deploy- are deployed overseas. Well, I should not have to remind you that there are many thousands of American soldiers still in France. Go to Normandy, go to Omaha, and Gold and Juno and Sword Beaches, and then go see the receding vistas of white crosses on the huge green lawns, which contain the remains of thousands upon thousands of the Americans who gave their lives to the freedom of my country, of our country, who sacrificed themselves to the freedom of Europe. Go to Flanders and the Ardennes. Go there, you fools who despise and deprecate America. Go there and tell me that we, the people of France, do not owe the Americans an eternal debt, a debt which is our privilege in some small way to pay back today. So Aaron Sorkin uh, took over from yeah, this point. You know, right? yes. you know, like PG Woodhouse would have written. Because at one point, Boris in, a review, in an interview was like, yeah, I didn't want people to think it was just going to be too much like PG Woodhouse. Don't worry. No risk of that. <laughs> no. But so the also, thing is, all of those guys got shot on Omaha Beach uh, to, de- to defend America's right to torture people, right? 
If we don't yeah, do yeah. that, then it's not meaningful anymore. If we don't, if we if we release the Gu- the people in Guantanamo Bay who yeah. are just like kidnapped from the streets of Kabul or Baghdad or whatever, and then just let them go be tried in their home countries, then what did our boys fight for yeah, in Normandy? We're, we're basically torturing them. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? How does the fuck does this have to do relate with the Guantanamo Bay prisoners? I mean, wasn't wasn't D Day like seventy five years ago? Yeah, yes. I mean like the, at if some anything, point, it's still happening. At some point, D Day kind of like the trump card kind of can't be used anymore and i mean i get it this was written in 2004 but still like it just seems so i don't know weirdly this is the thing that is it it goes from being cutting up headlines to being like mad libs like it just seems as though it's 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 been i don't know it's it's such a fixture that Mm. like it doesn't even make sense that you could use this in a plot and not have it be like this predictable. Either well, the French guy is going to be the one to, I don't know, to, to, to cast the deciding vote against America because he's French and he's venal and he's weak or whatever. Or instead it has to be like weirdly patriotic. Like this just, I don't know, this, 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 this is sub trope. Well, well, one, one, being- one thing I'm grateful to Donald Trump for is, uh, like a lot of these things, he has implemented that trope about D-Day so incompetently that it might finally kill it off. When he asked where the Kurds were on D-Day, as, yeah. aware, as to why the US should support them in Syria. I think that kind of laid bare just how sort of flimsy the whole exercise is. Well, and I think the other thing we have to do here is remember that like this is much more interesting as a psychological investigation of what Boris's anxieties Completely, are. Yeah. And so when presented with a series of like correct like correct arguments about stuff that America and Britain have jointly done that he's been responsible for. He just relies on elite solidarity to ju- and to just protect him from like America or Parliament or whatever from any kind of consequence. He's like, no, no, don't worry. Uh, the rest of the elites of the world will come and they'll see reason and it'll be fine. Don't worry. All of these terrible things that I'm imagining being visited upon me like when are, they're not going to happen. They're, don't worry. I'm going to be safe. Everyone's going to love me. Roger Barlow, Boris Johnson. It's great because it's like um, Garth Marenghi or the Alan Partridge book because it's the brilliance about bad writing is it lays bare a lot of the author's insecurities and kind of it's like a psych profile of the author. Like he, I mean, also, is the chef supposed to be Heston Blumenthal? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I know I'm really fixated on this, but I, I can track everything else. Yeah. But I can't track the liberal TV. Yes. <laughs> I just can't. No, I so know this isn't the point that we should be focusing I mean, on. My, my objection is even more granular. I cannot figure out, like, the placenta pie is really yeah, bothering does, me. That's why I think Blumenthal. Really? That's okay, what's yeah. thrown me back into Blumenthal. It's like he does around the time, like, the yeah. fat duck maybe opened, maybe? Well, it was El Bulli was, had been, was right. I think, just yes, yeah, yeah. Let me let me make sure I don't want to get my facts wrong about, <laughs> about uh, this incredibly <laughs> vital PM, point. But I've got to make sure my fancy <laughs> restaurant trivia is <laughs> about <laughs> whether or not we're talking about a Ferran Adria caricature or not. Yeah, yeah. Well, because it's it, it, it's been open for a long time, but then it was like yeah, thrust into the into the much further into the public eye in the 1990s. So yeah, I think you might have been talking about you, El Bulli. You, you've, you've gotten Riley onto a cooking thing now. He's but gonna that's be like what this I mean. Like, does he think that like? Molecular gastronomy is some facet of leftist thought. <laughs> yeah, because it's because, no, well, because or that the French, the French prime minister, the French president travels with a Michelin star chef and his entourage politically for some reason. <laughs> yeah, but this, but like, the French, the, the French ambassador is who also is like, oh, he's not a pussy. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he was he was just like dating a weird terrorist for some reason. Um. So the but like. 
I, don't, I, I think it, there's a bit of the, oh, it's not proper, stick to your ribs, British yeah, food. Yeah. But the thing is, like, the food thing comes up over and over again in this book as well, because there's always protesters portrayed who are always, like, insanely rich and just swilling champagne and then throwing the <laughs> bottles at the policemen who are just, like, taking bets on if they keep Qurans in ambulances. <laughs> to be fair, that, that is the future oh, that we want. God. Yeah. So, so, wait, he's taken... The phrase champagne socialist. Entirely literally. Very literally, yes. Yeah. I'm I, always reminded of Garth Marenghi's quote, some writers use subtext and those writers are cowards. And <laughs> Boris Johnson is very much. We're going back to now, we're going all the way back to Iowa. We're going back to the States. In Iowa, Wanda Pickle. Remember that sniper's wife that oh accused him of God, the war crimes? Oh my God, Wanda Pickle. <laughs> <laughs> voted Don't tell me she was wearing some of her stupid red lipstick. <laughs> voted solidly for the president. go. Voted solidly for the president, and so did mom's new friend Howie, a realtor who she met on the set of a daytime TV show. Who's mom? <laughs> is this oh, sorry. Mr. Pickle, the sniper's son? Is, yeah. Now I has a new dad? Because, I think mm-hmm. either I edited down a line or he forgot to write <laughs> I think it's more likely the second. I, I think he has just tried to write this guy being cucked by some realtor, and has just like fucked up and accidentally a word. Yeah. It's like the book version of a CD skipping. <laughs> That's what my brain feels like. My brain feels like one of those like Walkmans that were pre-shockproof. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm sorry to disappoint everyone. In Iowa, Wanda Pickle and Jason Jr. voted solidly for the president, and so did Mom's new friend Howie, a realtor whom she had met on the d- set of a daytime TV show. Right, right, okay, right. So, no, so, no just, he did I accidentally mean, yeah, award. Was, so, yeah. Because what's Mom referring to? Who's the speaker yeah. in that sentence? It's well, Clearly, it's supposed to be the perspective of a young Jason, Jason yeah. but still, like that's a weird yeah. thing to shoehorn in. Yeah. It's and clearly it just, the little pickle. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah, it's pickles clearly, love We've suddenly now hopped perspectives. It's like, it's Joycean in many yeah. ways. Like, now we're in LP, oh, Lil Pickle's God. head. I'm just imagining them all as like different colored pickle ricks. So, okay, now now I'm like shifting my perspective a bit because like the whole idea of a mass attack on the world through media, that put me in mind of Metal Gear Solid 2. Mm-hmm. Um, as did like the blurring of the lines between fact and fiction. Like remove your, your I guess it's Metal Gear Solid 1, but like remove your memory card to beat Psycho Mantis or whatever, <laughs> stuff like that. But now you're right. It's also Finnegan's Wake because like <laughs> the perspective from the stories being told changes mid-sentence. <laughs> Um, the peoples of the earth were beginning to change their collective mind. You know, their collective mind, <laughs> the one mind that they all share. I didn't know Boris you know, was a Jungian. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you know he's, uh, he's doing a Zerg rush. Uh, <laughs> it might be that the global consciousness of our species, as Blake or Rousseau understood it, uh. yeah, uh. was being affected by considerations of right and wrong. It might have been a statistical error, but at the bottom of the screen was a big bi-colored bar, rather like those used in televised rugby internationals, padding word count, to show which side had the higher percentage of ball possession. <laughs> Adding word count for the first time. The right I hand. I have watched sports, so everyone shut up about that. For the first time, the right hand blue side of the bar was bigger than the left hand red side of the bar. Padding word count. Padding word count. Padding word count. <laughs> blue is good. Blue is good. Red is bad. In politics, if you're voting, blue is good. Uh, by 51 to 49 percent, people appeared to be voting for America, even if it meant the retention of the prisoners in Cuba. <laughs> You know, because of D-Day. They had a rousing patriotic speech, so now they're okay with war crimes. If they do patriotism, they'll forgive me for my war crimes. Me, Boris Johnson, I did nothing wrong. I did nothing wrong. The world will side with me now. They have to like me. All these women want to fuck me. They won't, though. 
Also, does he think that when elections happen, that's the country just deciding because the country has like a consciousness? Mm. <laughs> this was kind of implying here. Like, well, I mean, yeah, with the, the, the Russo stuff, yeah, basically. Yeah. But, but, but does he think Britain's a person? He just have to convince Britain one person. <laughs> like, Britain is a sexy research assistant. <laughs> yeah, you just have to put Yo, Brit- the hand on her knee and. Britain's like a lingerie model with bigger breasts and smarter. <laughs> it's bullshit, said Jones. It's the Jewish cabal who run the American <laughs> media complex. Oh, here we go. Yeah, I'm, I'm it's sad a, it, to it, see that at the end of like 300 pages, Jones finally gets kicked out of the Labour Party. <laughs> <laughs> finally, <laughs> finally, Jones got cancelled. <laughs> says the president, fact is, you sure as hell misunderestimated the great world public. Oh, because that's the thing that George <laughs> the Bush Bushism. said. He did a Bushism, remember those? <laughs> Delightful malpropisms. Oh, delightful. Right. But yeah, this is just Boris talking to Boris. Muslims are dangerous. We were right to fight them. And now we have to continue keeping them under our boot because if we don't, they'll be dangerous. And when the world sees that, they'll forgive me. Yeah. In the big vote. Yeah. In the big world (laughs) vote. vote. (laughs) The world vote. We all do. The world vote to forgive Boris. (laughs) (laughs) And I will not be lip syncing for my life at the Hague. God damn it. I mean, that definitely does that definitely does sound like a Netflix like special about to happen. Um, uh, like in the future war crimes will be decided at Eurovision. <laughs> so it'll be decided by like RuPaul and Jonathan Van Ness. Yeah. Just RuPaul so, at Eurovision. Fantastic. This is when Boris decides he needs to take action, or Barlow decides he needs to take action. He was thinking, the editors at the mirror would say to that sadistic girl, <laughs> Debbie Gujaratni, who's <laughs> Who was persecuting him and ready to ruin his career with the story about it's always, Yulali. It's always the Gujaratis that are doing that. To be fair to my mum, she's been saying it the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Who was persecuting him and ready to ruin his career with the story about Yulali. They'll say, we can't do down Roger Barlow anymore. He's cool. We don't want any anti-Barlow stuff. Barlow is in, they'll say. Barlow's a hero. Barlow is cool. Oh what God. Oh God. Oh God, thought Roger Barlow. Why had he done it with Yulali? Why had he put himself in this ludicrous position? And he thought back to his moment of failure, the woman with her shirt seemingly open to the waist, her lip gloss, her black hair, her busy little fingers on his arm. Oh, Roger, she droned. Oh, please, you promised. How, Sorry. how are you so good at the Doctor Girlfriend? Like, I fucking love the Venture Brothers is how. Uh, and then he, t- because she, she droned, she's got to sell yeah, a yeah, Doctor yeah. Girlfriend. Um, and he touched her cheek. Oh, Struth, had they been snapped? <laughs> and she Australian? He, I, I, I don't know. And then reached for his wallet. Oh, Eulily, Eulily, he moaned. Unless he spoke up forcefully now, Eulily was going to be his ruin. Um, and so, you know, this motivates him to save the country is that he does. He wants to be look good in the press. Um, Wait, so- he saves the world to distract from marital infidelity. <laughs> well, we, we don't know it's marital infidelity <laughs> oh, yet. Oh, sorry. I do apologize. This is the climax of the story. Jones's trigger finger was just closing when his gun arm was kicked sharply at the elbow by Roger Barlow. You idiot MP, <laughs> said Jones. What an ear for dialogue. <laughs> you fool, M- uh, oh, you fool member of parliament. <laughs> you idiot MP. How dare the people of Uxbridge have, to have elected you and foiled my evil scheme. <laughs> uh, you idiot MP, said Jones, and would have Spoonie blown- bard. And would have blown Roger away with the bullet meant for Pickle, who was climbing up the stairs, only now his gun jammed. Hey, Roger, said, oh, sorry, yo, Roger, yo, Roger, (laughs) sang out his beautiful research assistant, and Adam, (laughs) the lefty, 
And Adam, her lefty professor boyfriend, saw her exultant eyes and wished they'd been turned on him. Jesus Christ. She looked down at Jones and saw there was a little bald spot in the graying crown. She knew what she had to do. Her eyes went to Black Rod behind the black railing. Before she could ask to borrow it, the necessary object was thrust without a word into her hand. Background for American listeners, Black Rod is like a ceremonial guard of the House of Lords, who's like an usher who carries a like a big black silver tip it's, stick. It's one, like, it, yeah, it's yeah, one of our yeah. dumb British things. It's, it's a dumb it. British thing. But yeah, yeah, recently, yeah, yeah. They yeah. recently talked about it on American News because okay, they were yeah, watching yeah, the Queen's Speech or whatever. They're okay. like, what the fuck is this thing? Yeah, so that's yeah. so funny when American News covers British politics because <laughs> I feel like we don't have perspective until you someone else. Yeah, you see, you see a it bunch through someone of people else's on eyes Twitter and you're going, like, why the fuck is that woman dressed like an 18th century judge? <laughs> so Adam that, Ant, it's that person um, who then thrusts the black rod uh, into her hand without a, another word. Phrasing. And before she could act, she found that Roger had materialized beside her and touched her knee. No. <laughs> and taken the ancient artifact with a wink. And because he was her boss, she, she naturally deferred to him. Oh, of fucking hell. Then Roger drew his arm back with a wristy motion he'd first learned as a child while thwacking the tops of the thistles in the meadow. <laughs> a wristy motion? A wristy motion he a learned as a motion. child. Yeah, you know, a wristy motion. <laughs> That's not what he learned when he was doing a wristy motion. <laughs> <laughs> and hit Jones very hard on the base of the skull. Jones the bomb said not a word and subsided subsided prone over the president's motionless shins. I hate when that happens. Black Rod smiled to see his eponym put to such good use. It was there to protect the House of Commons, and it had done its job. (laughs) Number one, it's not. The Black Rod is the usher and protector of the House of fucking Lords. That's why the Black Rod goes and bangs on the door of the House of Commons when the Commons has to be summoned to go to the Queen's speech. Really, look, he's he's only worked there for 20 years. You don't expect him to know everything. Why didn't Black Rod bash the terrorist up? Because the sexy woman had to do it and then decide a man would be better at her job because he's the boss. And he's like sexy and she looks at him with exultant eyes. That's why. You know, how Cameron is just a sub for Boris. (laughs) I'm so confused. I mean, I understand what happened, but just how did this get published? How did this get... I mean, this... The idea that literally every single action that he ever partakes has to call back a memory. Like, surely, like, when I'm in a really dramatic moment in my life, I'm like, oh, yes, the first yeah, time I picked up the gun. Yeah, with yeah, my yeah, 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 yeah. One's way. Yeah. Like, yeah. And the yeah, thing well, that pisses um, me off most about yeah. this, quite unreasonably, is the word eponym. Just say <laughs> yes. namesake. People know what that means. Don't fuck it. Ah. So, we're now going to go, and also, like, uh, it, it's it's not lost on me that he's like, no, the ancient aristocratic symbols and trappings of the House of Commons <laughs> save the fucking world. We need them. Yeah, uh, they do have practical uses in yeah. the 21st century. So, what if you need to bash a terrorist called Jones? Yeah, what the about that? Yeah, mm. you'll need uh, you'll need a, a, someone dressed as a 19th century <laughs> judge holding a sort of semi-improvised weapon. So basically, should- the moral of the story is. All traditional par- parliamentary decorations are really important. All social services are wastes of money. Yeah. Everyone brown should go to prison. All women are horny for me, but I will never fuck them because I'm too courteous. <laughs> Except when I accidentally call the babe station and butt dial somehow. And yes, uh, but also please love me because I'm feeling very guilty about my complicity and what will turn out to be like a million dead people. <laughs> um, so we're finally going to explain Eulalie. 
And this explains why Boris Stroke Barlow puts himself in a position of risk when the terrorists take over the debate club. So this is, this is at the end. Well, thought Roger Barlow as he sat back down again, stone me. He was a bit stunned by his own recklessness, but one thing was for sure. After that, they'd never bother with this Eulily business now. So now everyone gets to guess, what's Eulily? Like, is is Eulily what he thinks, like, a Hawaiian name is? And she's, (laughs) it's a Hawaiian woman, and he's just named her, like, Eulily. Uh, is it like some kind of MP expense scandal, but it's for buying lingerie for women from like a particular brand? Oh yeah, Nate got it. <laughs> Jesus, what? what? I didn't read that in the. I mean, yeah. was that in the what notes? The fuck? Was yeah. that in the notes? None uh, of us ever I mean, read the notes, Riley. Yeah, you know I, mean, I read this. the notes. I skimmed them, but like, I knew what? you. I knew you. None of you would read it in detail. So yeah, that's. I believe that. Jesus it's Christ! What though? Now it's... you got deep elements of it right, but okay. not entirely. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So right, don't, you... don't gas me up too much yeah. here. Come on, <laughs> Eulalie, what a prat he'd been. Twenty thousand of his own hard-earned pre-tax pounds pre-tax. Inve- <laughs> invested, <laughs> invested in a lingerie shop called Eulalie. Which, at least according to the Daily Mirror's pestilential Debbie Gujaratney, was a threat for a brothel. <laughs> MP runs knocking shop was the headline he was dreading. But if tomorrow's front pages were about his driveling escapades with Eulalie, he would eat his hat. It was, it was no doubt about it, a good day to bury the bad news. Here's the thing about the whole Eulalie thing. Yeah, you might be the, like, the thing. Like, you, you might, you might be like weird enough. You might be like, okay, at least there was a little bit of creativity in this story. At least he like he did. It wasn't just a straight ahead. This happens, then this happens, then this happens. It might have been bad, but at least he invented something. Yeah, wrong. <laughs> You'd be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just the idea that. Well, I, I can explain. Okay, okay. This is literally. Beat for beat, including the name Eulalie and the fact that it's a lingerie shop, just the denouement of a P.G. Woodhouse book. No. <laughs> it is lifted word for fucking Your word. Fucking it hell. It is the exact same. In, the, in one of the Jeeves and Worcester stories, Roderick Spode, the fascist black shirt... Who's supposed to stand in for Oswald Mosley has a scandal about something called Eulalie, and no one knows what it is. But then it turns out to be a, not an affair he's having, but a lingerie shop he runs. And is, G and Jeeves is, and Worcester expose that, thereby stopping his scheme to get I don't know Worcester married to someone or is whatever. Boris Johnson, an incredibly long-running piece of performance art by a collective of the most brilliant artists I can think of. He he made he made a postmodern novel in the intertextuality of which his own character of himself is a Woodhouse fascist. Yes. That, that, I that, am that, reeling. That, that, that happened. There there isn't a gas leak in here. My brain I is like shutting down. Absolutely reeling. Like you have to also remember that Boris Johnson made Roger Barlow a stand-in for Roderick Spode, a stand-in for Oswald Mosley. What the fuck? He, this, is, this is the only other way to get the hit of DMT that you get when you die and experience <laughs> brain death, other than just, like, fucking injecting it into yourself, is to read this and, like, really grapple with that. Just conceptualize that and hold it in your brain. I just also, I mean, I'm still kind of laughing at the idea that he had to add in that detail, because not only, not only is does he save the world by implementing a symbol of British imperial super- supremacy to kill a Muslim convert 
who's committing a terrorist attack, but he's also mad that his underwear purchasing scandal was with pre-tax pounds. <laughs> <laughs> That's what makes him the that, that detail is so brilliant. Yeah. Pre-tax. So in he reality, is, he it's is, more like 27. <laughs> Is Hideo Kojima, isn't he? This is pure. It's pure Kojima. (laughs) It's what it's. I say it's. What if a PG Woodhouse character not tried to write a PG Woodhouse novel at this point because. Like Roger Barlow stroke Boris Johnson is already Roderick Spode. He's already written himself is, as a PG Woodhouse character. No, this is reading this book. Us reading this book is what causes the death stranding. <laughs> uh, oh my god. It's like the it's like it's worse than the Kingsman, and I can say nothing else other than that. <laughs> Kingsman wasn't. The Kingsman's good. Well, oh, it's a bug of <laughs> shit. I'm I'm for, for like it's another a bad episode. Movie. I, I, I was just going to say that, like, I've been quiet for a bit, but that's also because I'm just trying to like figure out. I'm still trying to figure out which character is which, and the only thing I can think of is like the only person I remembered was like the pickle. In a very real in, sense, they're all Boris. They're all a facet yeah. of <laughs> Boris's mind. <laughs> Yeah, Cameron is what he thinks of David Cameron. Um, Pickle is his own, like... His own, has, ver- his his own yeah, version of Pickle. They're, they're, his they're own, all is all, all of this is autobiographical. Every yeah, single one of these people, including Wayne Jihad, is a fucking, like, <laughs> lobe of Boris Johnson's diseased, smoothened brain. Wayne Jihad is Boris Johnson's anxieties about the fact that he is not as aristocratic as everyone else from the Bullying yes. Club. Right, yes. right, yeah. right. Um, and he, he, this is why he also keeps making these not quite correct classical references as right. well. Like it's Roger Barlow is just one small facet of Boris Johnson. And yet he's also the fast that he identifies with. And is also the fascist that again is explicitly a fascist. Mm-hmm. That's so what, a, what a weird detail to put in. <laughs> like why, why just play literally plagiarize pg woodhouse it's literal plagiarism well, i feel like also the reason why we're the ones breaking this and nobody else is because <laughs> the you know the journalists of boris johnson's class much like the people in the story would never ever do the reading and so <laughs> no. as a result like just like him having to use the wikipedia summaries of, of you know greek mythology and whatnot like this this link you've caught this because you actually read the book you're the one person on this planet who i think read this you book might be the, the only person who's read this book <laughs> yeah. It's a scoop, like, and that's the other thing, right? Like, we have British genuinely journalists, like broken news here, right? Yeah, <laughs> British journalists also have attempted to like write about this book, but all they write is like, "Oh, look at what he said about women. Yeah, look what yeah, he said yeah. about like non-white." It's like, look at the outrageous things he said. Whereas, like, no, we're we're doing a fucking psychoanalysis. No, it's, it's just hilarious yeah, yeah, though, yeah. because like b- b- you know, the, the reading public would read those exposés and be like, "Oh, whatever, he's racist. That's old news." But so you tell them he's also a plagiarist. They're like, "That's too far. Yeah. <laughs> that's too much." <laughs> But also, like, is this a is this a fictive a fictive world in which PG Woodhouse didn't exist, or is no, this like no? It's it's a world of total context collapse where the information has just like shuffled up like an accordion, and Woodhouse is both real and not real, and <laughs> Boris Johnson, and everything is Boris Johnson, and like, also real news and fake news. Yeah, that, that's why. That's why this is such like a Hideo Kojima style narrative. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> so, in in conclusion, 72 Virgins is not actually a fiction book. It is instead a book-length confession by Boris Johnson of his deepest guilt, contempts, and anxieties about both people he perceives as his betters, himself, and the people who, over the last several years, he's attempted to grind under his boot, you know, women, the working class, people of color, etc., in the form of what can only really be called attempted Woodhouse. <laughs> Well, they don't give a Nobel Prize for attempted chemistry, do they? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Uh, but that's not the last word of the book. Here's the last word of the book, and then we're going to have to close out because this has been going for a while, and my brain is bad. <laughs> it's, yeah. The, yeah. Mm. Author note. The only implausibility in this story is to imagine that Jones and Co. could for a moment elude the police who guard the palace of Westminster <laughs> with such yeah. vigilance, tact, and I, kindness. He, I in knew he had to put something in about matter. that. Thank you and good night. <laughs> he, had, he had to put... I knew he would have to put something in like that. Yeah. So just as a coda on my like on my book where I like rack my brain for like my petty fantasies of myself and anxieties about my fellow man, I put blue lives matter. <laughs> but also, in conclusion, who was the chef? <laughs> you gotta find this because it's, it's no, the chef was it's... Boris. <laughs> it was all Boris. This yeah, is this is that... the only the only worthy heir to Joyce. Honestly, I love the idea that the, the film version of this has to be like being John Malkovich because everyone yeah, has yeah. to be Boris. Because <laughs> yeah, the, the, the chef represents Boris uh, masquerading as a liberal, well, a sort of liberal Tory, while right, he was mayor right. of London, uh, and and then gaining all of these metropolitan affectations. No, there's like a secret unwritten page where like the chef, like that kind of leads to the sequel of the book, which is all, which is all about how the chef actually like runs Hamas. Yeah, um, <laughs> how, how the chef managed to get invited to this <laughs> parliamentary <laughs> session. <laughs> president yeah that's that's what well listen when i if i was a crazy rich man the n- first thing i would be doing is trying to obtain the film rights to this <laughs> i think it might be impossible to film i also just love the idea that he wrote this with the intention of it being discovered and no one has done the work to this point so basically our prime minister is the riddler yes. I, love it. I, love I was right the first time he did give us all the clues and we are mr police <laughs> and we have guarded the palace of westminster with tact and vigilance yeah. we are, we're, we're the cops now we're doing a better job than like any actual journalist is doing so yeah we're the cops cool listen journalists we're coming. We're coming to your fucking jobs. Podcasters own you now, and we're coming with tact and vigilance and kindness. So fuck you. Ugh. All right, I'm I'm tired and my brain hurts now. So yeah, I think we're gonna this, have to wind book, it down. Like, coated in prions or something. This is this has ruined me so much. I'm just gonna, I'm leaving the country. Yes, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not. I'm actually leaving the country. I'm not coming back. Um. um so, uh, a few things. Number one, listen. If you. If you want to get this guy, the guy who wrote this book out of office, what you have to do is register to vote. And there's a link in the episode description. You also should sign up with my campaign map that is uh, provided by Momentum and it will give you your nearest marginal. um, And that's going to show you where to campaign. There are campaigns and marginals happening all day, every day. You must sign up and you must go knock on doors because if you don't, then the person who wrote this will be in charge of your life. But if you do... Then the person who wrote this gets to write a sequel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which we all want to read. <laughs> yeah, we need <laughs> Boris Johnson needs the time to write a sequel. He can't. He doesn't need. He doesn't need a lot of time. <laughs> Boris Johnson needs Just a weekend s- or two. Needs a small amount of time to write a sequel. <laughs> and we like need to read it. Two Dalmatians. It'll just be seventy-three versions. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, with all that in mind, also we've got a live show on the third of December. It's down in Vauxhall. Uh, tickets links are going to be available for that soon. Yeah, Vauxhall. Um, Cross specifically. It's the big, uh, like, sandstone and green building. You can't miss it. Yeah, all of you super ultra left people. Yep, you were right. We're an MI6 psyop. <laughs> um, and so do come to that. And also, um, do make sure to. Uh, sign up to our Patreon as well. Second episode uh, a week, five bucks a month. It's the standard deal. Anyway, 
with all of that in mind, does anyone else have anything else they would like to plug? Um, yeah. Uh, well, there's your problem. My engineering podcast is launching as an actual podcast again instead of just a bunch of videos. Um, so keep an eye on our Twitter, which we also just have. It's WTYP Pod. Alice, that makes way too much sense, Seth. That's such a <laughs> sentence that has a clear purpose, a clear call to action, clear. Ca- I know what's going on. It's weird. No mystery, chef. I'd forgotten <laughs> what coherent expression sounded like. <laughs> um, I have nothing to plug except for I'm going to be in America for a while. I'm going to be in New York for a while. So, if- Ooh, fancy man. Okay. So um, no, I no. I was just going to say, but like because a lot of our audience are American. Say it into the mic. Ah, uh, yes. You should come hang out. Like we can go. Look at some big rats together. I, I don't. Yeah, just, just invite me on your show. I want to like just talk about like Eva yeah. and, stuff. and and it's all grist for the content mill. Yeah. yeah. You want to turn your parasocial relationship with Hussein into a normal social relationship? If you live in New York, now's your chance. <laughs> all right. Um. So I think we're gonna sign off, everyone. Uh. Thank you again for listening. And come on, get this guy, get also, this motherfucker Nish, out of our face. Cool. Thank see you for being cool. on. See you. Cool. See you. Cool. It was my absolute pleasure to. Engage with this literary <laughs> no, master. Somehow, I'm not sure that's true. Uh, no, I, listen. There's nothing I like more than absolutely appalling shit books. <laughs> <laughs> it was it. It was a real treat. I what an absolute pleasure. Yeah. All right. So, uh, without with that, goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye.